All right, welcome to the White Collar Crimes Podcast. Great to have you back aboard. I'm Ryan Horn, the host. Hopefully the weather's nice where you are. I know for most of the year I've talked to you here about the concern of flooding and having too much rain. And then in recent weeks, uh, we've had the opposite problem here, talking to you about almost like a drought-like condition where it was kind of concerning. And finally, we have gotten decent rain in my area, which I'm sure the farmers and those in that business are very appreciative of it. But uh, hopefully wherever you are, the weather is nice and pleasant. And as we saw last in the last year or two on the set of the movie Russ with the Alec Baldwin situation, movie sets can be dangerous and even places of tragedy and death. And that's certainly not the only uh, movie set where we've seen any type of death or accident. It's happened in plenty of others. That's why they employ stuntmen, because many of the things that are done in movies are really too dangerous for your average actor to maybe engage in, especially if it's something they don't have the training or skill to do. And such was the case a little over 40 years ago in the movie The Twilight Zone. This was on the set of the movie The Twilight Zone and the case of actor Vic Morrow. Now, Morrow on this set was decapitated on this film in the making of it, and he died at the age of 53. Now, I don't remember him. I was only about 9 or 10 when this happened, but Morrow was a pretty accomplished actor from what I was able to research and see. He appeared... He was one of these ones that could just easily kind of transcend into any medium or genre. He uh, was in movies, he was in television, all kinds of different mediums. I think he probably even did a little bit of theater, things of that sort. He was one of these ones that could easily transition. Not all actors and entertainers can do that. Some stick to movies or television or theater or whatever they're good at and what they can make money at, but he was one of those rare ones that could kind of just easily transcend into any. Uh, another they give an example that was very much like that was uh, Judd Hirsch, the actor from the show Taxi and been in tons of other movies and television shows over the years, and he's another one, they say, that can just very easily kind of transcend into any medium that he wants. And Morrow was not usually the leading man, though he did have some leading roles in some movies and television. He was normally known as a television actor and he normally played supporting roles in movies and in some television series that were on at the time. And he had starred in an ABC series called Combat that was very popular at the time. And he also appeared in such movies as The Blackboard Jungle and the 1970s comedy The Bad News Bears. Of course a lot of you remember that. That was remade about 20 years ago, I think it was, with Billy Bob Thornton, but he starred in the original back in the 1970s that starred Walter Matthau. Now, if you're more my age, a Gen Xer, you probably know the actress Jennifer Jason Lee, famous for the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Well, that was her dad, actually. Vic Morrow was her father. And uh, they were reportedly, though, estranged at the time of his death. Now, 1982 is when this he was on set for this film to happen and when he was filming it that's also coincidentally the year where it really was kind of a breakout for jennifer jason lee that's when fast times at ridgemont high the movie debuted and became an enormous success one that again if you're my age if you're considered a gen xer or maybe even a boomer this is one you certainly know and relate to highly popular and a lot of cultural impact on that as a coming of age kind of high school hijink story and 
very popular show, and that was one that she was in at the time that was coming out. And he was in this movie, The Twilight Zone, as it was being filmed. And this was being directed by John Landis. And I'm sure if you're older or a movie buff of any type, you probably know John Landis. He was born in Chicago, born and raised in a Jewish family. He became a very accomplished director who had previously directed Animal House and Blues Brothers. Now, these are some of the most popular comedies of all time. Huge hits in the late 70s and early 80s. Both of those are uh, personal comedy favorites of mine and probably many others that are around my age. But tragedy would strike on the set of the Twilight Zone movie, and this is based off the TV show for maybe some of you younger members that don't know. The Twilight Zone was a popular TV show, probably in its heyday, I'd say 50s, 1960s in there, and it was being made into a movie. I remember also in the 80s, I think it was a brief stint where they tried tried it as a television show and had mediocre success at the time when they remade it in the 80s, but the original was highly popular. So they decided to make a movie, but as I said, tragedy would strike on July 23, 1982, around 2.30 a.m. Now at this time, Morrow had two children, two child actors, one seven and one six, working on the set, and they were killed by a helicopter crash at this time with the actor Vic Morrow. Now, what was quickly discovered after this happened is Landis violated California law by having the children work at this time, because I'm sure some of you kind of noted, wow, 2.30 a.m., that's an odd time to be shooting a movie. Well, under California law, even 41 years ago, this was actually not allowed. This was prohibited for a child that age to be working at that time. So right away, some controversy happened, just as I'm sure you all remember many of the controversies that happened on the movie Rust with Alec Baldwin there about not checking if the ammo was live and on and on. Tons of things happened. Supposedly a lot of actors and and union people walked off the set due to dangerous conditions leading up to that. Well, it was no different 41 years ago because Landis had two child actors, one seven and one six, working on the set here at the time. Now, this, in this scene, Morrow was supposed to shield these children as the helicopter would be shooting at them. This scene was to take place like in a Vietnamese-type village. But the pilot began having difficulty navigating through fireballs created for special effects at this time. A ground technician, unaware of this, detonated two pyro... I think I pronounced this right. Pyrotechnic chain char- charges close together and the helicopter was flying low and the force of the explosion caused the helicopter to spin out of control. And it landed unfortunately on the three, Morrow and the two children. Morrow and one of the children were, one child was decapitated from the blades. Their heads unfortunately severed immediately and one of the other children, the, uh, he, was, he was crushed under the weight of the helicopter. So instantly you have a tragedy of three people killed from a special effects problem, and two of these are children. Of course, as we saw, Landis and the others involved in this movie had already violated California law by having this child work on the set at this time. It was later found that the two child actors were also paid under the table 
to circumvent the law, paid with cash, under the table, probably no contract, receipt, anything, any kind of written paper trail of it. And uh, understandably, that also committed or sparked a lot of flags, a lot of things that said that this was just not right what was going with it because, for one, they should not be working that time period. That was against California law. But to try to make sure there was no record in the time of when that happened, at this time these children were paid under the table. And they were, as I said, one was decapitated from the helicopter blade and the other was crushed from the weight of the helicopter. Now the National Transportation Safety Board criticized the set for the lack of communication, which was found to be the big problem in this, which resulted in the three deaths. Now, one member of the crew, a fire safety officer, was later revealed to have mentioned that he had some concerns about safety, but the problem was he did not report these to the director. And that was a big thing that came up in the Rust case, a lot of things, because Baldwin was the producer. I'm not sure if I recall right, he might have been the director as well, but he was one of them that was responsible for the safety of the set and in this case that would be Landis's responsibility the director is kind of like the head coach on a football team has to make sure everything goes according to plan and people have what they need to do their jobs and on and on and uh, that clearly was not done because of the special effects the way they were operated and executed and a safety person on the set having concerned about that of course his fault was not speaking up in time and unfortunately tragedy resulted of it but he may have been afraid to lose his job or anything like that who knows why he didn't speak up but he didn't and his concerns were played out when these were detonated apparently caused the pilot to have trouble seeing couldn't operate the helicopter it sped out of control spiraled out of control and crashed down to the ground where Morrow and the two children were and as I said Morrow's head and the other one other child's head was cut off while the other was crushed And to make matters worse, they were working illegally, being paid under the table. That way there would be no track record or no paper trail of their actual pay. Now, as expected, civil and criminal actions began against Landis and others in the film. And that's what we saw with Baldwin, although personally, just a personal opinion, his political and other connections he has helped him avoid criminal charges. As we remember just a couple months ago, they were dropped. It does pay well in this country to commit white-collar crime and if you have the right connections, which he does, I think, and it got him out of trouble. Now, civil court might be a different matter. I'm sure there's plenty of civil action pending, and as we always mention on this podcast, that's where most of the time families are able to get their due or their just desserts or where they get their payback because many times the criminal justice system fails to act and prosecute white-collar criminals properly and going and pursuing civil court is the only option these have. And the advantage you have in civil court is the level of evidence is lower. It's what's known as preponderance of evidence, which in just blunt, plain speaking means if it's more likely true than not, they are guilty, they are liable. Where in criminal court, it has to be proof beyond a reasonable doubt, which they say if you're going to put it in percentages, I've always been told, means about 90 plus percent and beyond. Where civil court preponderance of evidence would be more like 5149 you know they say if you got two scales whichever scale tips to the slightest advantage the 51 percent that's the side that wins and in civil court it's a little easier 
So, understandably, a lot of those actions were taken, but there were criminal actions taken against Landis and some others. Originally, about four others that were connected with the film were charged with manslaughter. Now, as some of you may know, manslaughter, if you don't know, manslaughter is where you're guilty of the action of killing someone. It's just without the premeditation or intent. Uh, If you go out and drive drunk, and crash into somebody and kill them, most likely you will be charged in your state with some form of manslaughter. Some call it third-degree murder, uh, involuntary manslaughter, some other terms for it. But the bottom line, it's all the same. It's, It's the killing. You're responsible for the death. But the punishment is not as severe because you don't have the premeditation and the malicious intent. That's what you're dealing with more with first degree murder. So you can accidentally kill somebody and not have any intent to kill them whatsoever, but you still may face some type of manslaughter or third degree involuntary, again, depending on your state, charges because you still are responsible for their death through your negligent actions. And that's what the state alleged in here that Landis and these four others involved in the film were very negligent in many ways, the way they conducted the special effects on the helicopter scene and the way they had young children being paid under the table to work illegally at 2.30 in the morning. So, they were brought to trial, all of them, but they were all eventually acquitted in 1987, which Baldwin didn't even have to get that far to even get acquitted. His were eventually dropped. So it pays to be a big Hollywood high roller, I guess you could say. Now, it's unsure how much, but uh, both of Morrow's daughters, this would be actress Jennifer Jason Lee and one other daughter that he had, did receive an undisclosed amount in civil court that was, you know, settled outside of court or something to that effect. It's not said how much, but they did get something. I'm sure they were paid well because this was a pretty tragic event. I have no doubt that's probably what's going to happen in the Rust film around that Alec Baldwin situation. I'm sure the family of the... I think it was the director or assistant director that was killed in that from the gunfire. Most likely they will definitely pursue, I'm sure, some civil action and in the end probably get a decent amount from the studios that were involved in that. I can't imagine why they wouldn't, but who knows? I mean, so far Baldwin has managed to be sure he won't be charged criminally in this, so he may have the connections to make sure the civil court goes in the same fashion, I guess you could say. We'll just have to kind of... Wait and see. That's one we certainly will keep our eyes on, and we will cover that on this podcast if a civil case is filed. But we'll just have to keep an eye and see. But as I said, that is sometimes the only course of action, and the family of the one killed on the rust set will have to pursue this because it's very clear the criminal courts are going to do nothing of the effect to take any kind of action against those, in my opinion, that are truly responsible for it. But it's not going to happen. And like I said, Landis and these others were acquitted in criminal court, but did get hit with some some in civil court. How much of it, we don't really know. It was undisclosed. But the tragedy supposedly did lead to some changes, uh, especially in fire safety and child labor law enforcement. They're probably keeping a much closer eye on making sure children aren't working at all hours of the night. And they'll have to make sure that... Uh, There are better fire safety things and things in place to ensure that these types of tragedies and accidents don't happen again. Now, unfortunately, I don't think there's enough being done to make sure these children are being kept safe on these sets because, let's face it, we all know over the years some of the scandals that have come out with children being sexually abused in Hollywood. So 
that's something they definitely need to take up and monitor now, now that maybe they've got fire safety and child labor laws under more in, in control. This is an area they may want to start focusing on. Now, Landis really didn't hurt too much from this. I think he was able to rebound pretty easily. He went on to direct several more movies. Uh, one of them was a big favorite of mine. He directed the movie Coming to America, one of the funny movies of the 80s. Used to quote a lot of quotes from that movies with movie with people that I'd worked with and still do. Really funny movie. So talented guy, certainly not taking anything away from him, but I'm sure his privilege and wealth and stature helped him avoid any type of criminal liability, and I'm not sure how much of the civil liability came out of his pocket or if it was the insurance for the movie company that produced this. Who knows who paid it up, but bottom line, I think he probably got through without being scathed too badly in it because he has gone on to continue to this day 40 years later. He is still active in the industry. In fact, I think it saw that he had just recently been directing a television web series or something that's animated that stars the voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger and some others. So he's still working as we speak right now. So this tragedy almost 40 years ago did not really affect him. Now, who knows what kind of career Morrow could have had. At that time, he, as I said, he was a pretty accomplished actor. He was 53, so he certainly had a lot of years ahead of him. So unfortunately, as we just saw in the last year or two, you're still seeing deaths on movie scenes, and it's not the first. We could probably cover a lot more. Rust and the Twilight Zone movie here are certainly not the only two that have ever had any type of tragedies or deaths, but there's very few people ever held liable for any of them, at least not criminally. I mean, again, civilly is a little easier to do, but nobody was held criminally liable for this, and as I said on the Rust set with Baldwin, Baldwin is very clearly already escaped any type of criminal liability that he might have, even though I'm sure a lot of you listening would probably agree that that might have been an appropriate approach to take on that situation, but it's not going to happen. And that's why, as I always talk about, just talked about this with my wife yesterday, in the United States we have a two-tiered justice system. We have one for the elites and the rich, wealthy Hollywood types like that, and then there's one for the schmucks like probably you and me that are listening to this unfortunately and I've seen it with my own eyes even in the small level courts that I've spent sometimes that the justice is not always dispensed the same for everyone although it's sad that and it should be in this country but many times it just simply is not and that's what uh, hopefully we can continue to work on and continue to try to fix and we'll try to continue to shine the light on the crimes of the wealthy elites in society like we do on this show and we continue thanking you every week for tuning in and making that happen now next week we will be traveling the wife and i there will be no podcast but we will be back the week after that so please enjoy your week ahead enjoy hopefully some nice pleasant weather looks like we're going to have some where i'm at and we always ask you if you want to be a guest on this show and we do have an upcoming guest soon to talk about white-collar crime and greed and things of that sort is kind of like a seven deadly sin thing. So email me at ryanhornvt at gmail.com if you want to be a guest or if you got an idea for a show. We have people that have done both. Follow us on Facebook, the White Collar Crimes Facebook page. Be sure and like us. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a good rating on Spotify or Apple, wherever you're hearing this podcast. And also check out my website if you're in need of voiceover service please contact me ryan-horn.com got some audio books i've recorded for some publishers due out real soon 
So we'll certainly keep you posted on that. And as always, we like to tell you, please check out your local pet shelter and adopt your next best friend there because that's where that's where it's at, folks. All five of ours are adopted there, and I certainly would encourage you to support them any way you can, financially, volunteering, uh, adopting your next best pet there, anything like that you can do. As I always say, too, a warning, watch out for your friends and family. Keep an eye on the scam artists, especially your elderly ones. They are oftentimes the target of these, but unfortunately, as we saw in this case, a white-collar crime costs the lives of a middle-aged man and two children. So anybody can be impacted by this, so please keep an eye out for your friends and family. And we thank for you for keeping an ear out and listening to us every week, and we will be back in two weeks. So please enjoy, be safe out there, take care, and God bless everybody.